This is The Underbelly, Episode 5 of Season 5. Episode 5. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Joe Bracco. Let's get right to it. Fully immersed, one and all, fully immersed on the other side of the middle-aged mile. Your host here at The Underbelly took stock and realized, yeah, okay. I may have trepidation, as I'm sure many of us do, about visiting the general practitioner. But when you are, when you are this old, or at least when you feel this old, I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, it's it's time. It's time to make that visit because I I noticed, noticing a little bit of the the bells and whistles, the the ticks and leeches, to, to be quite disgusting and vivid description, that would compel me, or someone like me, to visit the doctor to find out, for all intents and purposes, what the hell is going on. So, making that trip in, there were some decisions that I made beforehand, and that, one and all, that was, well, depending upon the outcome, Should we take any type of active measures? We have heard, one and all, this topic of conversation come up quite often here at the Underbelly. One season right after the next, one of our most prominent, if not common, threads is the decisions that we make in life. Should we be reactive, proactive? Should we take any type of preventative measures? Or should we wait? Should we wait for the outcome and then regurgitate the question? Well, do you want to have any action whatsoever? Do you want to take initiative? Do we want to take initiative beforehand to kind of nip things in the proverbial butt? I would tell you one and all as I sat there and had the the candid conversation with the doctor. The outcome was quite comical in measure because I thought, going in, you know what, gonna have to make a move. Gonna have to make a move. Gonna have to take some type of different approach to health. Maybe diet, maybe exercise, maybe a combination thereof. Something has got to change. However, in almost stark amazement, if not rebuke, through the masks that we were wearing, I was witnessing the conversation and the reaction that I got from the physician asking these questions. Doctor, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm noticing certain, certain things, some, some certain irregularities, some uncertainties that compelled me to visit your office today. I mean, what's, what's the outcome? Well, Jack, We've done a series of preliminary tests and the end result in real time is, what are you doing here? That was the the reaction. What are you doing here? You're not in amazing health, but you're in good enough health that granted you're you're here and I have to walk you through your your ignorant paces about your condition, your your own health and wellness, if you will, but you didn't need to come here. Your concern was not legitimate in nature. Yes, you're getting old, but 
That's all it is. You're getting old. So, you can choose to, to take some sort of remedy, some sort of action. You can take a pep in your step, if you will, in the right direction. Or, you can choose to do nothing because at this point, you can do whatever the hell you want. One and all, looking at my general practitioner, seeing the, just the confusion and almost the, the disgust of why is this patient gracing me with their presence right now when they don't have to be here? I left with a conundrum. And the conundrum brought me back to this topic of conversation. To illustrate, I will bring it back and bring it home as we often do, to food. Food, one and all. Food in youth versus food in present day past. Growing up, I remember this story that my father used to tell me quite often when describing the first five years of marriage between father and mother. And he would describe it in the first five years with a bit of a smile. And the smile was wrapped around various food concoctions that my father and mother used to make together. One in particular was meatloaf. Now, when we think of meatloaf, you know, you, you don't necessarily have a middle ground, a middle opinion about meatloaf. There's no, you know, it, well, I'm okay with meatloaf. If it's sitting there, I'll, I'll eat it. We either indulge in meatloaf in conversation or we put it aside. We give it to the pet, we slide it underneath the table, and we move on about our business. He described the meatloaf that my mother and father would make together during the first five years of marriage as none other than, than a calorie coma gone wrong and yet right in the stomach. Pure 100% grounded. All the fat, no lean meat, no, no, no. meat. Breadcrumbs, sausage, herbs, spices. And as the consistency would go together with eggs, he would take a full bar of Philadelphia cream cheese, this gelatinous muck, and smack it right down in the center with spinach around the meat and the sausage, then wrap the whole thing in bacon and broil it in the oven. That was a microcosm of their first five years in that. Throwing caution to the wind, creativity. If we eat a slice of this, if the heart that follows is filled with fat, at least it will be happy fat. I would tell you that as he would say the story, the story was never marked in something that was made in that present state of affairs. Granted, I was a kid when he would tell the story. 
But as he was recalling in smile, of course, the other side of the aisle is how my mother would make or serve meatloaf. First of all, not made together. No, no, no. Mom would take the brunt of the health punishment. And she would tell us what was on the, the, the plate for that evening. And the shrug went off. The horrifying shrug of just, are, are you kidding me right now? That is what you're going to serve? Not necessarily the branding, but we knew, as my father did, that the meatloaf that would be served at that evening, not in holiday form, not in former first five years of marriage form, no, no, no. The meatloaf that would be served at the table of choice would be the exact opposite of what was. No smiles, no, no. Meat, not fully fat, but turkey. No cream cheese, no sausage, no bacon. Turkey, cumin, which I don't know what that is. Spice, but just saying cumin, no, no. Running in the opposite direction. Swiss chard. And as a filler, oats. Now, how oats would go with with meatloaf or, or, or turkey loaf, I have no clue. Staring at this, I knew I had to eat it, but what I wanted to do is pick it up with my hand, not a fork spoon or knife with my hand and just throw it against the wall and see whether it would go through the wall or bounce right off. Even the wall would not take it. No, no. It wouldn't go into the wall. It wouldn't go through the wall. It would bounce right off it. No one wanted to eat this meatloaf. I don't even think my mother did. I watched her eat it. We all ate it. Even my dog ate it. We knew it was good for us, but the moral of the story was it didn't sit well when we ingested it. We knew we were doing good for our bodies, but this wasn't an enjoyable taste. No, it was healthy, certainly, but not enjoyable. And when you're serving meatloaf, don't, isn't there something, some semblance of happiness? This is not a typical dinner. No, no, no. Serving it, it has to be ingested with some semblance of joy. This was not joyful. No, not a joyful noise nor taste. I say this to you because the conundrum that is with me now, that has stayed with me now, fully immersed again on the other side of the Middle Age mile, is this. When the doctor gives you a clean bit of health, what are you supposed to do? Full fat meatloaf? The oat filled meatloaf? That is the question, one That is the question. There's no middle ground. Right, left, no food center. With that, we've come to yet another end, to yet another episode of one. 
the underbelly. Until next time. Rest easy.